Good morning. Let's go to Perik Dalid, Pasuk Yud Beis. Last week we saw that Barak was given the Tzivoy to go fight Sisera, who's representing Yavin, even though Sisera will be the main Russia of the story over here. And despite the fact that he told Devera Hanavia that if you come, I'm going, if not, not, that was not a violation of not listening to the Navi for the various reasons we gave. And that is, he was either interpreting that this is part of the Navua, we obviously need the chizik, we need the direction, or if a person doesn't listen to a Navi, Bishat Nefesh, doesn't believe that they're a Navi, doesn't believe that Hashem said that, that's considered over a different Navi, as opposed to a person says that they're struggling with it, they believe it, and they're working on it, and they need chizik, that's not considered over al divrei Navi. Those are the two of the many possibilities. Lamaisa, the contrast, there's no isser for a guy to ask the stargazers and ask, Pyra did it all the time, it's like Nina Pyra, we're always giving him direction. We have Kamavakama Yisurim, Lavim, Bitalases, Tamim Ti, as we discussed in Shia last year, of asking the stargazers, being Derish Asidus, and the like, despite the fact that they knew what they were talking about somewhat in terms of the science, they weren't accurate. That's just in a Navi and somebody who's trying to read the stars. What was that? It's not of his right of It's a good Shiloh whether it would be for us in some form. Lamaisa for Goyim, it's not usher. It's interesting, this never came up when we were discussing it at length in Shear because there were no guys sitting in the Shear to ask the Shaila. But it's not also for them, and it would not be considered Avizrayu uh, to that extent. You would need uh, more of a Raya. It's not, it's not in their Zion mitzvahs, even though Avodazar is. We still have a Machlekes whether Avodazar Bashitav is even Avodazar for them, let alone asking somebody to read the stars for them, and certainly Tam and Tia. Would it be good for them to only listen to Teres Meshe? And a real Navi, yes. Uh, they don't have real Navim coming to talk to them too often, although one is coming up, Yenah Navi, which Hashem we will discuss once in a while. A Navi is sent to give the Musr. Often they don't have, most often they don't have access to it. The reason I'm mentioning that is because the discussion over here is about Barak listening directly to the Navua, where these allowed to ask for details, allowed to insist on details. Sisra, as all the generals of yesteryear and all the rulers would be want to do, before they made any major moves, they would consult with their cabinet. Often their cabinet consisted of a whole cast of characters, some of whom knew not a kihuzev what they were doing, and others didn't really have that much chachma, but they were very into their astrology, and they're uh, trying to figure out the Asidus. And as I just mentioned, I don't think it's also for them. It's just not an exact science at all. And this will be a case in point, as it was with Pyro. There are many parallels between what happens with Pyro as he's about to go to battle, and then when he goes to battle, and what happens by Kriyas Yamsuf to Sisra's decision and his vacillating back and forth whether to go, and then giving 
into his, uh, I guess it's called Yetzirah, he was almost cool Yetzirah, and going into battle despite the fact that he's told very clearly that it might not be such a great idea. With Pyro, if you remember, they already started misreading Ruva Negepanechem before this battle even was a Havamina. He's telling Meshur Abeno, I see the star and it's red and it's going to be a bloodbath and Klaiso is going to get killed and you better not do this and it's not good for you. And he was looking at Dam Milo. Was that mean he... That means he was completely wrong? No. It means Hashem is Midasarachamim turned what was set in nature in the stars to a positive thing of Dam Mila. That's an important aspect over here. That we have uh, sometimes an Esniglav, Mavina was told you can't have children, I'm going to move this star over here and that star over there. Or sometimes the stars aren't moved necessarily, there's no complete change of nature, rather there's a sort of fitting in to what the possibilities are when there's mazel that is foretold or that is in the Bria, in the stars, so to speak, but there are many ways to fit that in. And those are two mahalchim we explored when we learned the sugya. So over here by Sisra, he's going to be told by his cabinet that it's not a good idea to go today to fight the Eden because they did see with some accuracy, that it's going to be a disaster for him. So, naturally, that's why you hire these guys and pay them the big bucks, is if they say, don't go today, so don't go today. Pyro, when he was about to go, this is after most of the empire was destroyed, and he had his last uh, 600 chariots, and he really, Apisechel, should have had enough by this point. Ten Makas, and he told Moshe Rabbeinu to go, and he begged Klai Yisrael to leave. You'd think he'd have, have enough, and after seven days, when the spies came to tell him they're not coming back, so the Mepharshim, the Pasuk of the Mepharshim, say quite clearly he had a difficult time even deciding, and the more intelligent part of him and his staff would claim, why would you want to be a glutton for punishment, and what do you need this for? Why don't you just clean up and get your empire back together? And he was thinking back and forth, and he decided to go. The same thing is going to happen to Sisra. His cabinet says no, and he says, well, they're throwing me an open challenge, which they were. All of a sudden, they had a report that 10,000 men were waiting on the top of Hartover, and they weren't there for a night seder. So it was a challenge. So if you're not such a Baal Gaiva and you don't have Takosh Baruch Hu, doesn't mean he didn't have Bechira, you have Takosh Baruch Hu pushing you to go in. He was pushed to go in because, as the Ramam says in Hilchus Shuva, everybody has Bechira, but Rashaim often, due to their Averas, their many Averas, will have a lot of Kitrugim, which will push them in a certain direction. They can still pull back. It's more difficult, like by power. So... It's a morning, a stormy meeting, back and forth, and Sisra is going to decide to go. And what's working on this is his gaiva. How can I let this challenge go unanswered? Could have answered it the next day or the next week. But he wants to answer it now. He thinks, on paper, it's a big joke. 900 chariots this time, not 600. And Clydesville has none. Not a trained army. Only 10,000 men compared to, in his army, according to one Chazal's 40,000 captains, each one had a battalion. So Talk about. Of you know, that's a good cash on any Russia. 
Pick any Russian histories. Don't they know this script already? So the answer is, we're often, certainly in Shaftim, Zechet Nisim Gluim. Throughout the Golis, plenty of Nisim were still here, but not always Nisim Gluim. And each Russia likes to feel that it's going to be different this time. You can ask that kasha on somebody who's about to fall in and do an Avera like Lashon Hara. Sometimes you, you ever listening to a conversation you see it's going in the wrong direction? So by history, you think for, from people you have been there, done that. Why don't you just pull away and walk away or tell them to be quiet? So sometimes that works and sometimes you're waiting and waiting and waiting, hoping against hope that it goes in a different direction and it doesn't. So uh, you would think that we have enough experience to pull away. He thinks about it and doesn't pull away. Pasuk Yerbeis. Now that you know everything that goes into this Pasuk. V'yegidu sistra ki alabar ben avinam hart tavar. Gets the news that there is an assembly of men and it's a challenge. And he's going to get the cavalry together and go fight against uh, the decision of his chief of staff. Pasuk Yerbeis. V'yazik sistra as kal richvot shameyaz rechav barzel. And many mercenaries from all over the Middle East. Everybody was happy to join in. All the remnants of the Zionum was happy to join in. They think now they're going to get the rest of Israel back, which they have been trying to slowly do, as Devera will describe in her Shiva's Devera, that things were pretty bad at this point, to the extent that they couldn't really travel on open roads, and they couldn't do commerce, and they couldn't... They didn't lose the whole country. There are plenty of Yidin still living there. All 12 Shvatim were there. But Canaan was slowly branching out, and the other ones are joining, and now they feel this is their chance to finally take it back over. Pasuk Yedalid. They were assembled there, and she said, Now's the day. This is the morning. She has to repeat that because they're asking for an ace niglim. So, again, the number 10,000 sounds like a decent number to us. So you're sort of trying to picture the scene and 10,000 men rushing down a mountain. 10,000 men rushing down a mountain facing millions is a ridiculous scenario unless you're depending on an ace. That's why Devera had to stress, Manuvu is now. I told you to go there and assemble. Now's the time. She's there. She's not going to be in the front lines charging with them. That far she's not going to go. We don't, that would be an Isidoraisa bearing arms, even if they didn't have too many arms to bear. But yeah, she's not going down the mountain with them, but she's on the scene that if somebody has a question after they get down and what to do, uh, we're going to see from Shira's Devera where most of the details are f- really filled in. And the background of who came and who didn't come, she encourages them after this first day of battle, which was the decisive battle, to continue moving on to the entire area of Harish Sagayim and finish off Yavin Melech Hatzar. Here she's going to have a very decisive victory. The entire army that assembles are going to be killed down to almost the last man, like Sisera but they still have cleaning up to do afterwards. So that part of the tzivu will be afterwards. This day, the only tzivu she gives is charge, basically. Run down the mountain and face them. Who say Hashem says, to say this? 
No, so this part was in Avur. Uh, the last part, Rashi said she was repeating what the Tzivoy Dereisa is of Hachrem Tachrimim, and there was still an Avur over there, then now's the time to assemble. So she didn't tell him to go fight yet, to assemble. We find that a lot in the battles. Davon Melech has told him one of his greatest Nisyanis, uh, don't start fighting until they're right here. And they got within Dalat Amis and David's men, who were men of uh, great stature, if you can hold off when they're 30 feet away, you're already a tremendous maimon. Just they weren't Davon HaMelech. And Davon HaMelech is, it's hard whenever you think about that Misa, it's hard to imagine such a level of Bitochen. Because four Amis, even if you take the Chaznishir, <laughs> take seven and a half feet. You're charging with your sword. You're the enemy. How long does it take to transverse seven and a half feet? So it's not even a question of the Amis, the question of how many seconds he had to draw his sword. And Lahavdil Aleph Avdalus, you know, don't uh, shoot until you see the white of their eyes. I assume that was done not because they had a Tzivu Hashem, because they were low in ammunition. What was the point over there? It's a famous line. Look it up for me. It had nothing to do with the Navua. I think they were short of ammunition. <laughs> I think they had a ragtag army and they didn't want to waste. Uh, no, nobody remembers? Nobody, nobody, passed, uh, nobody passed that region. Well, <laughs> uh, it's, but it's, it's, it's eerily, Lahavdalaf uh, Avdalas had nothing to do with any Navua, and they weren't practicing um, a story they saw in Navi. But Davidbach was told, don't do it in his own men. So I said, Your Highness, what are we waiting for? And he said, I'm waiting for the Dvar Hashem. He said, They're right here. This wasn't as close by. They were on the mountain, they were just told to charge. But still takes a lot of bitachin. It takes a lot of bitachin to come. 10,000 people out of all of Klai Israel. You needed to be a giber in your midas and bitachin to follow him because they were outnumbered, outgunned, and it was a losing battle on paper. And Devar is going to make note of that a few times when we get to Shira's Devar, complimenting their courage and their bitachin, which came, courage came from the bitachin. Courage to do crazy things is not uh, laudable. And the nay starts in Pasuk Tazvav. Vayam Hashem es Yisro So here we start the many, many things in common with the charge of Pyro into the Amsuf and what happens afterwards. The reason it's so similar is because Chazal tell us that when the Yamsuf was asked to uh, regurgitate all the Mitzrayim because there were Yidin who aren't or weren't in that case on such a level of bitachin, a lot of bitachin to go in. It was pretty frightening, so we're not taking that away. But afterwards, they said maybe the Mitzrayim came out on the other side, just like we came out. And they were so scared of the Mitzrayim, of their former taskmasters, and they were so bent out of shape in that mentality. You can't blame them. Uh, they wanted proof. And Akash Baruch Hu understood that in his Rachamim, and Hashem tells the Yamsuf to spit them back up. And the Yamsuf, or the Malach of the Yamsuf, however you touch this, this is uh, Kabbalah already, complained that they already had food for the fish and uh, it's already in there normally in Shemayim. They don't take back a gift. Kosh Baruch Hu said, correct, do it anyway and I'll give you time and a half. I'll give you 1.5. Their deep cheshman is why 1.5, but 1.5 is 600 chariots, became 900. Uh, the riders, the X amount of people, became 1.5. And when it happens over here, they're going to stay there. Now, why is it payback 
for the Amsuf if we're dealing with Nachal Kishon. So as I alluded to last week on this map, which is hard for you to see, but Nachal, you still have your uh, handy map. But Nachal Kishon flows from here. We know exactly where it is today. Uh, it's still there, and they've uh, cleaned it up over time. Got very polluted in the middle, and it goes out near the Bay of Haifa. Everybody knows where Haifa is, and it goes out to the Mediterranean. So um, you have to wonder when you see this Pasuk and you look at the Midrashim, why is that payback for the Amsuf if the Amsuf is, couldn't get it all on the map, is down over here? Right, so that's what you have to say, is that everything is connected eventually. And the Mediterranean is a large body of water. Nachalkishan is not that large, but it's all connected. The Yamsuf itself, just a piece of history, if you guys get this wrong, we're sending you all back. I guess you'd be 0 for 2. But uh, the Suez Canal, is the Yamsuf connected to the Mediterranean Strait? The Suez Canal opened up a very narrow strait, opened up the whole thing. Was there land there? Or? It was actual land. There was no connection. Okay, so... Okay, so you got that one right. Uh, that's what I assume, because why build a canal? Sometimes you build a canal, you make it bigger so ships can get through. You're saying it wasn't connected at all. So you have to say that they're be'etzem all connected, even though there's no, often you have little tributaries going here or there and little rivers, and here it wasn't connected at all, but underground is connected, and Lamaisa, all the bodies are water, right? Yeah, I mean, everything is ultimately connected. Okay, but I think they're connected. That's them. Um, not always what you see. What? So there was something there. So it did connect sometimes when it would overflow. Okay, but I don't know if you have to come on to that. What something is saying is that it connects. You just have to go away. That was the problem. That's why they wanted to make the Suez Canal. So uh, however you cut it, everything is connected and the conversation, so to speak, and the bodies of water was, we have X amount of fish in here, we have to uh, keep the place going, and you gave us good food, and uh, they deserve it, it's part of their Einish, and now it's being taken back. Hashem said, don't worry, you're going to get time and a half here, and you get it all back. So, already from these Chazals, you see there is a very deep connection between what was going on in terms of the decision-making process, the Bechira, or lack thereof, due to their rishus of how they were almost pushed into it. But that's not lack of Bechira. That's because there's so many Averis. You have to try harder and work a lot harder to rise above it, which Pyro didn't accomplish because he was Pyro. He went on at least, according to one magistrate, to Zuchuva and become the king of Ninveh, speaking of Yena. And Sisra is not going to survive this, although... When we speak again about Rabbi Kiva who came from him, he sort of does survive. In a way, part of him survives more in Klai Yisrael than Pyro did in his second tenure in Ninveh. Even though they did Shuva in Ninveh, Ninveh does not survive. They did Shuva on the spot, and they end up going back to their Maisem Raim, and it was destroyed later on. So it's interesting, you look on paper... Who survived more? Who did tshuva? Pyro did tshuva. He went on to survive and become a king of a big, big area, big province. And Sistra gets killed in a very embarrassing way by a lady with a tent peg. And it looks like on paper, Pyro did better. But you can't always look at history 
on paper. And you have to look at what's going on behind the scenes and what's going on with the Neshamas and with the Nitzitzis. And I'm not here to speak well of Sisera, but it's interesting. He had something there. There was some schus, not his own schus, but based on a klipas that had to come out, as we discussed last week, that came out of the former Rabbi Kiva, and he actually uh, not only survives, but that aspect of, not to his credit necessarily, that aspect is, is around and responsible for our Teresh Peh, which is really our entire Messiah. Yes? Because he was a descendant of Yisrael, right? Uh, no, uh, Yel was. Yel's married to Eshel's Hebrew, Akane, not Sisra. Sisra had no Jewish. I said, from wants that time. Everybody's looking, like, what was his chus over here? So Dasefrim wants the Taina that the local Canaanim lived with the Jews, really. That's part of the problem, is that whatever positive thing they might have picked up from Yiddishkeit in terms of monotheism, which is great if they pick it up, was not worth it in terms of the negative effect on the Yidden and picking up Shutfus and any form of Lodazar or Bad Hashpa, which is why we have Hachem Tachrimim. With that said, the Dasefrim wants to... Taina, it's a theory that maybe Sisra had some Maila that uh, the administration, he was the general, Yavmel Hassan, they lived among the Jews. The Jews are here 150 years into the Yishevet Yisrael. And they did pick up certain ideas from the Yidin that were positive, And maybe he had that within him. It needs a riot. The Dasef himself is just saying a theory. Klippus, again, uh, it's not a Shira Pi Kabbalah, but you can have something locked into a lot of tumor, and the fact that she's giving a zetz and it breaks out and it comes out of Kiva doesn't mean that we give credit. Certainly, Alpi Nigla don't give any credit to him. He goes down, as you'll see from the story of Russia, Marusha, Shane Kamohu. But Lamaisa, the Klippa was within him, not within somewhere else. So um, there's something to it, which is why the Mephorish are trying to search. But we don't have to search very much. We're not here to Don Likav's Chus on Sisera. It is a little interesting that as Rishon go, he dies in his sleep, sort of, which was a, a better way to go. It's just that Pashim Shah is more embarrassing that he just lost your whole army, you lost the battle, you look like a fool, that's an understatement, and you get killed by a lady, which in times of yesteryear was very embarrassing because they weren't even fighting. It's so. I, I don't think he just had a lion. You have a Melchizedek alive. We don't. I, I don't think it's any Makara that he had any shaykes to that. No, they had a lion. The Pusik says why. Yeah. Okay. If you can find me a source they're related, but it just says there's a lion. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's any uh, malach like that. But uh, and we we have enough of a problem with the nister that we know it says in print. So, uh, but if you if you see it, uh, well, let me know. So Lamaisa, yeah. Yes, they have the chuva process. Greatest, yes, uh, so that we do have. That they say, so but... It's because he caused it. The, the problem is... The, 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 yeah, that's certainly a possible shot. The, the, the problem is, is that over here they say it came from him, not just he caused it. He's, he might, we're going to get into Yael and Sisra soon. He might have actually fathered the child by Haman they say what you're mentioning is if that he caused truth in a roundabout way, so in a roundabout way, he had 
descendants that had sheikhs because some schar had to go to him. Here they're talking about you know, they were Megayer at a later point, but way later and Kamat had no Shaykh and Gersh's guy cut an old dummy. Over here, if there was a, a, a znus, I don't yeah, I use the word znus because she did Lashem Shemai, znus is a bad connotation, but he might have, this is closer, this is harder to explain, because then the kid was Jewish already. That's the difference over here. Yes, if he's explaining why it came Derech Agav, and it's very Derech Agav, but it's not related to Hama at all. Here, the kid's Jewish. If it came from Yell, that's a, that's a big hillock. So and we'll, we'll get to that soon. Did, did yeah. Who? Haman or Sisra? There's one sheet that holds that Hevra, uh, Kenny, and Yell are not Jewish. We're not going with that sheet in general because it's a much harder sheet to understand. And we already had a remez before that not only was she Jewish, she was one of the, she was a Shofetis with, with Devera. She's mentioned as a Shofetis, not just being the uh, heroine of the story of killing Sisra. So. Yeah, not everybody. He went back home. Remember, Moshe Rabbeinu said, come with us. He said, I have to go back home. I have to be a Makar of them. And we, we hear that. And Moshe Rabbeinu heard that. It didn't, we don't know how the argument ended in terms of, it sounds like he went home. How many people came afterwards? Yisra was phenomenal at being Makar uh, and helping people out. We can assume he's Makar of the family. But it's quite possible he's Makar of many of them who came and joined Klai Yisrael, and they went to learn by Asnil Bakanaz and became Dayanim and Rashi Sanhedrin, and maybe many of them were Makabal Zionists, which is why there's a tzad that it says he separated already, we saw last week, from the rest of the family. The question is, was he a Yid from, obviously, and part of the program, and he was even learning the Shiva, and he separated now only to set himself up strategically to be able to help out if it comes up, and it's coming up right now. Or, no, maybe he was uh, keeping Zion Mitzvahs and very fine people, and they helped out Kleisel, and they were our great friends. That, that's the other possibility, but that's the hard up shot. So to try to focus, there's so much going on over here, we're just going with the Mahalach that she was a Yid, and there are many more Rayas in, in that direction. So, but... Yeah, we, we hope, I don't know why. Yeah, we just hope they stay that way. Uh, so some of them are <laughs> serving, you know, carrying guns. So we hope, yep, but uh, I think it's very stylish, just like everybody's claiming they're Jewish. You know, if you're a Bedouin and you look in the Chumash, you know, that's, it fits well with the Yisro. Okay, the Gidl Yisro again. The, um, the news came, the Yazik Yisro, he got to be together. They go charging down the mountain, and again, Tesvav, Ayam, Hashem, Esisra, Veskalarechev, Ayam. There's total confusion. The Midrashim over here say, again, the comparison to Paro and the defeat at Yamsuf, it got very hot all of a sudden over here. It was hot in Eretz Yisrael Bechlal, but the Koshbohu took out one of the stars and uh, moved it. If you move a star, by the way, the sun, which is a smaller star, you know, one centimeter closer, it's going to be extremely hot. The nace over here was that Kosh Baruch made it extremely hot, but the people facing them in battle, which the 10,000 men were standing right there, they didn't get that hot. So it was only for them, and they were wearing heavy metal armor, which they didn't wear not, but they didn't have any. 
and it got extremely hot to the extent that they were melting, so they all ran into the kishon. That was nace number one to get them in. As they went, run into a river with heavy armor, similar to Pyro running in with the horses who uh, the uh, scorching ground knocked the uh, horseshoes off and uh, everything started running into the ground. So the same thing happened over here. And the army is decimated in Nachal Kishon. And uh, Sisra himself is the only one who barely makes it out alive. Vayam Hashem is Sisra, it's called Rechav, it's called Machna Ficharev, Lefnei Barak, Vayered, Sisra Me'alam Akava, Vayans Baraglov. So they're all jumping into the uh, Nachal. Barak gives chase. They're either drowning or being finished off by his sword. And they're all uh, running and getting killed. And he gets off his high horse and his chariot, and he runs on foot. And he's uh, running, which as many as Midrashim we have, discussing his strength and his courage and the amount of uh, fish and uh, sharks he would rip apart and eat as he was just taking his afternoon swim, all of a sudden he's running on foot. So there are uh, no atheists in the foxhole. Well, how do you apply that over here? He didn't become from... The answer is, if you want to be an action, you want to be a Russia, you're going to not do tshuva, and a coward you will be if you feel you want to save your skin. And uh, one of the uh, silver linings at the end of the war is, you would think, if a Nazi Yamashamoy is so brutal, and so uh, you'd have to like, I don't know what they did every morning to keep their riches, it's hard to imagine being such a Russia for one second, but... You probably have uh, read many scenes at the end of the war. All of a sudden, uh, they were uh, quite cowardly, and many of them begging. Some of my best friends are Jewish, and I never really shot anybody. And I uh, running into the forest and uh, masquerading, and so, so, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why he ate live rabbits. There's probably no taiva on in cuisine to eat live rabbits, but. Uh, uh, you have to either drink your negavasa or water, or you have to, uh, you know, <laughs> have to do something to keep. But at the end of the day, now they're losing. All of a sudden, uh, he's running and he's uh, almost a pussycat. We'll see that soon. Pasuk Tezayin. And anybody made it out of Nachal Kishon is being chased by Baruch and his army, and they. Decimate them. And Sisra himself is going to survive and run. And the next passage we're going to see how he remembers there is an alliance and there's Hever Arkeni somewhere around the area. He knows he has to run and hide very quickly and he can't run that far because the longer he runs, the more of a chance he's going to get caught. And he's going to take the risk of going in that direction. Yael is uh, fully privy to the plan of her husband and being here in the first place and setting this whole thing up ahead of time. And it was an incredible plan because it's going to work over here. Everything's a nace, but he at least put down the plan and the location so the bracha could be chal, and she's going to wait outside to flag him down. We're going to go to the Peleyets now, and we're probably going to continue the Navishir uh, after Yontif because there are no more Sundays left. 
Uh, so uh, that's, the, that's the other news. And, and I, what? Next Sunday morning is always, a, after people go to sleep at 2.30 a.m., is always a little bit uh, patchy. But you know what? If there's a complete rebellion this week and you all insist on it, I think certainly as we've done it. So we'll see. Uh, so um, you don't have to say Bilineda when you call off a shear, only when you plan a shear. Uh, let's go to the uh, Peleates. We owe a little bit from yesterday. We're on page Kuf. We just began Devekus, which is a very timely topic for Elul and two weeks before Shoshanah. Page Kuf in the first part of the Sefer. We'll start again from the first paragraph. Devekus b'shem izbarach hi mitzvahs mitayag mitzvahs. Devekus is what Avedis Hashem is all about. Devekus means you're very close. You're stuck, as we'd say, but in a very positive way. You want to be so close to Kosh Baruch Hu that it's a constant avodah, and uh, really we try as much as we can, as humanly possible, to have the avodah in a constant ritzifus that there's no break, even if you take a break from your learning and you finish davening, but you're constantly thinking of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that can be done all the time, as the Chavaz Chaim says in the Berlacha, Semen Aleph, there are sheish mitzvahs tamidias is talk about yachtas Hashem and many of the zechreinos, and you could do that standing at a bus stop, walking from point A to point B. There is no point in time where there isn't a fertile opportunity to be mekayim, very, very big mitzvahs, and think about the very august machshavas, and it doesn't take that much effort. It's a question of focus. And you could do that. The mission of us says, if you're in the middle of learning, you start talking about nature, but if you're walking from point A to point B, like the base measures here to your car, which takes about five seconds, and you want to take out a minute to look at a gorgeous day in Niflis Aberia and how beautiful the scenery is and what Hashem created to give us the nachas, the ability to go, that's considered part of Avedis Hashem also. Again, we discussed many times, does that mean you have to take out 10 days to fly the Swiss Alps, as Shamsha Hirsch is misquoted as saying? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> I always remind people that Germany is pretty close to the Swiss Alps. New York is not. Uh, so it depends. Uh, so is a, is a concept of seeing Nicholas Berry. You need to break sometimes. That's why uh, Banos Manum existed, and that's why we, are, we had it. Um, we had it for a long time, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and... Uh, if you have Benazmanim all year, then you have an issue. Uh, so it's a question about focus and about dvekas, meaning to trying to raise the bar, how much more you can focus and how you can keep a Baruch Hu always in the front of your mind. And uh, always not in the back of your mind, because that's not a nice way to say it, but even when you're working, you have to put in an honest day's work. But a Baruch Hu has to be part of every equation, every move, and every machshava. That's not just for Lamad Vovniks. That's doable. The Peleates is talking to Klai Yisrael, not to Lamad Vovniks. So with that in mind, Dveikas b'shem izbarach mitzvah metayag mitzvah sheedavik b'shem tadir. Tadir means as constant as we can do it. B'cheshek rav with islavus b'rishpe shalheves ava. En l'chamida toivehemenu de kulaba. V'fi chashivusa kashi hasagasa. 
And because it makes a person so great and the challenge is always there, the Yetzirah wants to stop us and convince us that, okay, you're from the Yetzirah, is not going to convince us not to do mitzvahs. So he'll let us dive in, let us learn a little bit, but he doesn't want us to get into it that much. Don't go too far. Let's not take this too seriously. The Yetzirah is always interested in cooling us off. Hashem depends on constantly having it in mind, Machshava, Dibur, and of course the Maisa Mitzvah. And this is something that the more you do, like anything in Avedis Hashem, the more you'll feel a tam to it, a gashmak to it. It doesn't mean that every moment of every day is going to be as easy. There's uh, a tkufa where a person finds it more difficult. They're going through things that have to push harder. Lapum tsara agra. But this has to be taught. This lavas and this rizas has to be taught early on. We had a good teaching moment. Um, you have this probably at every suda. Uh, this with an enikul who was by me yesterday. He was a great kid, all of uh, five years old. But he was asked to get the uh, seltzers. That's his job. So he wanted to know, he's got a few brothers. So he wanted to know why we always asking him to get the seltzer. Is that a fair kasha? From a five-year-old, I think it's very fair. And he had the um, good fortune, or maybe in his mind at that point, the misfortune of sitting next to me because Arie wasn't here. So uh, <laughs> he wanted to know why he's sitting next to me. I said, it's your lucky Shabbos because Aryeh is in yeshiva. So I uh, told him, I said, really, you should be asking uh, why your brothers aren't very jealous of you and why you have the schus to do the mitzvah every single Shabbos. You should really be saying that maybe I should share it with my brothers and I'm so lucky and they're not jealous of me and they're so happy that you have the mitzvah. He wasn't expecting that answer. Uh, so uh, he said, well, it's, it's every single week. I said, uh, basically, Ashrecha, uh, and, and you're right, we should think about that. Maybe we should give it to your brothers, because why should you have the mitzvah each time? As soon as I said that, he jumped up and he ran to get it. Now that's Leolam Yagiz Yetzahara al Yetzatayv. A little bit unfair, a little bit of a mismatch, because the kid doesn't have a Yetzatayv until he's 13. So, like, the whole chinuch is a chiddish, no? I <laughs> He must do everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so a little bit like, you know, can I say from over here? So all of a sudden he got up because uh, I made mention of the fact that right now I, sh- I can really turn to your brother and ask him to do it, and then you're going to lose out. And then, uh, so that's, you'll say, that's Kinnah. So he's not doing the mitzvah anyway. He says, no, we're trying to, with a child who is uh, almost cool, the Yetzirah, and the Yetzirah is coming later, you still have to train him to do it. And he and then he had the double good fortune, which at the time he was saying it might have been <laughs> thinking misfortune. His Dvar Terror that day, yesterday, happened to be about Zrizus. And it was 20 minutes later. And people have a short memory. So once he's telling me beautiful Dvar Terror, which he read very nicely, I said, Zrizus, can you think of an example of Zrizus? He couldn't think of one. So I said, Zrizus would be when you jump up and run and get the seltzers. So, uh, but he didn't really, he really didn't connect it. He wasn't trying to... Uh, to hide it. And then his eyes lit up and he said, yeah, you know, that's, uh, when it came to, we ran out of salsa pretty quickly, he got up without anybody asking to get it. So 
that's a work in progress. Uh, that type of training for humans only lasts 120 years. There's nothing to worry about. But that's dveikus. Dveikus is to train early on with whatever incentive, but every maisa should be tied in with the Avedis Hashem and learning his lavas and learning his and learning why, yes, if you get the opportunity, you're special. And that's what he says. As I just mentioned, there's a shear for a five year old and for a 10 year old and a 50 year old and a 20 year old. But you've got to keep raising the bar. You can't rest on your laurels. One more paragraph. And if you need reminders, everybody needs reminders, so write it down on a cue card. The more you try to remember, it's not going to happen automatically. So the more schai you get in trying to raise the bar and push the agenda and not be happy with the mitzvahs that you're doing. You can't be medabek physically, literally, with HaKadosh Baruch all the means of HaKadosh Baruch Hu have to be emulated. And he's going to go on to explain what that means. As we mentioned last week, the big schar and the big dveikas you're going to get is when dafka you're faced with that day or that hour where you're not in the mood or you're dealing with somebody you're not really in the mood to deal with and rightfully so and you push yourself anyway and he keeps on forgiving and giving another chance and a third chance and a fourth chance even though we don't deserve it and we tap into that with the Yud Gimel Midas and we tap into that and all the slichas and all the things we're about to start so besides tapping in with the tefillahs if you tap in by actually doing it with humans in real time then you get more siyat shmaya and asking a Kosh Baruch Hu to deal with us the same, and we should have the siyat and the aslacha to do that.